0: Tonight, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I dropped my phone. My sister just sent me a motivational text right before I came up. Do not screw up. Um, And so we're we're ready to get going tonight. But to throw her under the bus, she said all my life group guys were cute. So um, just kind of let her know. So that's how you start. She only saw the back of your heads though, so I don't really know how that could translate. But anyways, so uh, glad to be here tonight. I'm glad to be able to preach to you guys. I want to thank Pastor Paul and Pastor. thank you for just being able to enter into a time of worship of seeking your face lord i just pray that each and every every individual that has come here tonight that you touch their heart that you touch their life lord that you speak truth in them that the message that you prepared for me um, begins to penetrate their soul god i pray that my lips become your lips tonight and my words become your words lord god just speak through me begin to guide me Get started um kind of a little bit about me some of you guys know me some of you don't my name's Blake um and actually kind of I actually just got hired on selling insurance for Allstate um so I'll be starting that in a couple weeks passed my exam for the first time praise the lord yeah I was like holy cow about 45 hours of study and I thought I am done with college I didn't need really to do this again but uh got three little businesses. he's got all these little businesses, but he's got three of them that are his main ones. One of those is he has a carpet cleaning business, so he cleans carpets. The other one is he does a water damage business, and the other one that he has is what I've actually been doing mostly is the foreclosed homes remodeling job. Okay, and before you think I'm super mechanical, that's not the case. He just has me destroy a lot of stuff, and if you can. T- a sledgehammer, or a hammer, or whatever it may be, or a crowbar, you can do this job. It's very, very easy, and I don't know if you guys know this, but foreclosed homes, and this is probably the biggest, heaviest hammer I could possibly find, so it is. It, I don't know how much it weighs, but I don't know if you know this, but foreclosed homes are disgusting. Uh, and the reason they're foreclosed is because the people that bought them didn't pay their bills, so when you don't pay your bills on something, that usually means you don't care about it too much, and I remember... The very first w- house that I went into. And as I went into this house, I walk into it, the, and, and there's this room on the right, and like I said, it's a 4 home, so they buy them super cheap, and there's a reason they're cheap. And I walk in there, and I actually talked to the neighbor about this, but he said the owner would actually leave his dog in that room for days at a time. Yeah, and, and so you can imagine leaving a dog in a room for a couple days, uh, pooping and peeing all over the carpet. So needless to say, the carpets were covered. And when you're trying to rent a house out, you can't leave that in there. So you got you got to tear it out. So who's the guy that gets to do that? Me. I get to do that. And then, then we go to the back room, which has two rooms in the kitchen, and there's like this rotted out floor. And I don't really understand I don't know if the guy was making drugs or what what his deal was. Um, then it has pee all over the walls. And then there's bugs everywhere. <laughs> and so it's just uh, it's, it's not the most exciting job in the world. And we're actually doing another house right now. First walked into it, another foreclosed home. I walked in there. I noticed something a little different. You know, usually when somebody moves out of a house, they take their stuff with them. In this particular house, there was toys everywhere. This uh, in the kid's bedroom, they left his bed, they left his Pokemon cards. I mean, the kid had more Pokemon stuff than I've ever seen in my life. But he had all these different stuff all over the wall. And so it took me literally three hours to clean out this entire this house, and it was disgusting. And one of the things that I noticed when I was in the living room and some of the other guys, is the floor was bouncy. I don't know about you guys, but the floors in your house should not be bouncy. Am I correct? That's not that's not a good thing. And we knew that we were going to have to tear up the floors and repair them. So who's the guy that gets to do all that stuff? Me. I get to do all the grunt work. And I start tearing up this floor one day, get about two-thirds of the way done. And the next day... Finish up the job. And he asked me, he says, Hey, I want you to go finish tearing up this floor in the hall and then come back to the living room. I said, Fine, I'll do that. So I'm just going away, going, going to town, just ripping up boards left and right. And this is actually hard work. I mean, it really is. And, and I'm tearing up this board. And as I tear up this board, I see this hole in the ground. This little hole dug in the mud. And you know, I found several dead rats. No big deal. Here's here's the deal. Like, the rats don't bother me, they're not going to hurt anybody. But at the same time, you got to realize I'm in this enclosed space and I can't see what's underneath me, so it's a little creepy. So I do like anybody else. I take a big old piece of rock, and I plug the hole. So I start working on it. And uh, I'm going to have to put my hammer down here in a second. It's getting heavy. But as I'm as I as I'm going to the next one, I'm ripping up boards, and then there's an even bigger hole. And this one, I saw something moving in the bottom of it, and, it was, and I take a little cover, and I cover it up and whatever, and I'm good. And then as I'm pulling up more boards, I kid you not, underneath this house is a hole this big, And I don't know what his dug is. I don't know what it was. I put it on Instagram. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And so what I decided to do is I stopped working in the hallway and just went straight to the living room. And he's lucky I finished the living room because I didn't know what it was. I figured, hey, this could be a groundhog. That was my first assumption. But it could also be a bear. It could be hibernating in this hole. It was huge. And, And then I actually did some research, too. There could be a cat in there also could be a skunk, and guess what, I don't get paid enough to get sprayed by a skunk over this job, yeah, and so (laughs) I went and I finished, and we let it settle for a couple days, and uh, anyways, but we had to rip up, we're actually pretty much ripping up almost every single room's floor in this house, and the reason I bring that up, if you got the picture up for me, I want to kind of show you um (coughs) a little bit, if you guys can see this, these are called floor joists, now I'm not super mechanical, but I, I pick up stuff really quick, and I learned this three days what these were actually called called floor joists. And if you can see this, this is the old wood and this is the new wood. We had to cut the wood here and here so it would be supportive when you put the floor in. Because what happened was, the reason the floor was bouncing is because these pieces were broken in the corners. And because they were broken in the corners, they weren't able to be seen um, from the top. And so on a floor, you actually have three different layers. You have the floor joists, have the subfloor that goes on top of it, which really supports your floor, then you have your flooring itself. And the reason that I bring this up, because it actually leads me into my sermon title tonight, Are You Building a Solid Foundation? And we're actually going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, and I'll give you guys a few moments to turn there. Um, And the story that we're actually looking at here, Jesus is finishing something called his Sermon on the Mount, which is one of Jesus' most famous sermons that he's given i guess you could not most famous but a very famous one would be a good way and it's a long one and jesus talks about different things in this topic he talks about fasting he talks about prayer he talks about giving he talks about not being anxious he talks about all sorts of did the golden rule all these different things and jesus is actually finishing up his sermon with what we're getting ready to read matthew 7 24 through 27 and if you guys are there say i'm there well, let's read this out loud. And what we're going to do is I'm actually going to read this and we're going to go back and we're going to just dissect this verse these verses a little bit. Verse 24 says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat at the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine. And does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And actually, as I was kind of doing some studying, I came across a a quote by Spurgeon, uh, and it says this. It says, the wise and foolish man were both engaged in precisely the same building project. And to, a, and to a considerable extent achieved the same design. Both of them undertook the builder's houses. Both of them preserved the building. Both of them finished their houses. The likeness between them is very considerable. I don't know about you guys, but in this story, both men are pursuing the same task. But the main difference is the foundation that they're building their house on. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, have you ever had an experience where you felt like you were doing the same thing as somebody else? but you were getting a different result than somebody else, or they were getting a better result, or you were getting a worse result. I know I used to sell cars, and when I sold cars, one of the things that used to frustrate the tar out of me was I started, I was 23 years old, and when I started out, they taught me, you know, things to say, you know, how to respond to objections and things like that, and I learned from my managers. So I learned my responses of what to say from what my managers told me, and a customer would ask me a question. And I would go in there, and I would tell them my response that I learned from my managers. And sometimes they wouldn't get it because I'm just some 23-year-old punk kid trying to sell them a car. And I would go to them, and, and, and it would go back and forth, and they just weren't getting it. So I had this strategy, and everybody in the car business at that dealership understands this. I brought in the manager factor. Now, I don't know if you guys know what the manager factor is, but the manager is the guy that I've learned these things with. So he comes down, he sits down, he's very authoritative, and he sits with them, and they ask him the same question, and he responds with the exact same answer that I gave them earlier. And guess what? They get it, just because he's a manager. And it used to drive me crazy, and they did it all the time. And they would literally understand. It. He would repeat it word for word. They'd be like, okay, that makes sense. And it, and it happened all the time. And that's what's going on in the scripture. Both of these men are doing the same things, but they're yielding a different result. Verse 24 says this Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now let's be clear. Of these two guys, this is the guy that you want to be. You want to be the wise man. guy that is building your foundation in life. You want to be the guy that's building your foundation on the rock. And there's two key points that to take away from these scriptures. And the first one, as I was re, as I saw in this, is a person's ability to hear the Word of God. Is that important? So we got to be able to hear. So we have to be able to hear the Word of God. So when I'm talking to you or Pastor Paul or wherever you guys attend church, when you hear the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, you have an ability to hear what's coming inside you. But it means nothing if you don't apply it because there's two aspects to the scripture. It says he who hears the words of mine and does them. So we're talking about doing them. So applying what you learn. Atheists, they've heard the word of God, but guess what? They haven't applied. It hasn't taken root. So he's having uh, the aspect of being able to apply what is heard in your life. For instance, I played high school basketball. In my junior year, they moved me to point guard. And I remember at Parkview High Schools where I went just down the street, and we had a play that we ran about 98% of the time. It's called Two Game. I mean, it used to drive me insane because that's all we ran every single game was two game. Two game, two game, two game, two game. Like, it was no surprise. It was just nothing but two game. And one day, I got the nerve as the point guard to say, Coach, let's run three game. And you would have thought I would have walked over and kicked his puppy. He was so mad at me, and I was calling the play, and he was screaming at me, and I ran back down to this end, came back with a ball, he's still screaming at me, because I asked him to run a different play, <laughs> and, and so that, for something, I heard what he had said, but I did not want to apply what he wanted me to do, so he was thinking of the team now, even to this day, that way it doesn't destroy my analogy, I think I was right, but it doesn't matter, I think we lost that game, but anyways, how many of you guys, by a show of hands, or would you say you're good listeners? say you're good listeners okay okay and and you know for me this is something that i i've tried to work on and like i told you i sold cars and one of the things that i always understood is people would much rather have let talk about themselves than hear me talk about myself am i right you know but you know you you people when you meet somebody it's best to actually let them talk and get to know them and and all these different things and (laughs) and also as well too how many of you guys would say that you're guys say you're doers how many show of hands who would say you're doers okay Uh, we're your pastor paul's everything he's a doer and a listener yeah there you go that's why he's a pastor yeah (laughs) Uh, but but my dad my dad's a doer you know these are the people that you really don't have to uh, say anything they just know what to do and they just jump in and do this and this is what the man who built his house on the rock was he hears the word of god and he responds to it with action it's not just going in one ear and out the other. There's actually response to what is happening in his life. And actually, one of the things that I, I, I like about this scripture, too, is, well, if you are a hearer of the word of God, and doer of the word of God, it says he was a wise man. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be a wise man. And uh, Proverbs 3, 13 through 18 says this. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can com- compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, her left hand are riches and honor, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. So I don't know about you guys, but when I read that, I think, hey, wisdom something we should want. Like, it's it, it's something we should desire as Christians, so we want to be wise. In our lives, and, and that comes from the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And verse twenty-five tells us this: and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So, what are these things that he's talking about? What is the wind? What are the floods? What are these these are trials; these are attacks from the enemy in your life. And because he built it on the rock, he was able to withstand those trials and tribulations. And a Matthew, uh, actually one of the commentaries that I found that I really like says this, it's better to find out where we stand before God now in this life than when it's too late for your eternity. And that's what trials fo- show you. They show you where you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only on that day does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Could you imagine being one of those people, going through your whole life where you think you're serving the Lord, think you're living for God, and God's saying, serving the flesh you're serving the things of this world and that's what that scripture is talking about and as this as verse 25 is talking about trials i believe there are two types of trials in this world the first trial is this i believe there i'm sorry the trials that happen because of circumstances that are out of our control and there are certain circumstances that are out of our control as people that you have no control over maybe that's where you're born certain trials, uh, there's certain trials that are just very difficult for us at times. And these are ones that are out of control. And a perfect example of this is Job, which we all know as Job, when you read him for the very first time as a Christian. Job in the Bible. And I, we should have some scriptures on the screen for you here. And Job is a classic example uh, of a trial that happened. He was actually serving the Lord and God was bragging on him, which you're going to see here in a moment. And guess what? He had a major trial in his life. It was probably the most pivotal moment in his out of his control and his circumstances. Job chapter 1, verses 6-12 through 12 says this, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth, going back and forth. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none on earth like him. He is blameless, upright man who fears God and shuns evil. I think God's bragging on Job a little bit. Don't you guys think when you're reading this story, Satan's just Roman and he's saying, hey, how about my boy Job? He loves me, he shuns you, you know, he, he, he's righteous, he's pure. You know, he, he he. if you look at the story, man, Job was a man who sacrificed all the time. And this is the story here, moving on, verse 9. And then Satan replies, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him, his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flock's But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to his face. If if you don't know anything about Job, Job was probably one of the wealthiest men in all the land. He was extremely wealthy. And Satan's basically bringing up the fact is, what does he have to be worried about? What does he have to be afraid of for the simple fact that he's got everything a person could ever want? And guess what? If you take away his possessions, if you take away everything he has, he will surely curse you to his face. God responds to Satan this way, the Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out into the presence of the Lord. And it goes to talk a little bit more, and we're going to read those scriptures, but Satan actually began to just ruin his life. He began to, he destroyed his family. He, he um, Everything he owned, the raiders took and was destroyed throughout this process. And Job was literally Throughout this time, we see Job just heart pouring his heart out to God, and he's, then he's got friends that come along and they're trying to put him down and not building him up through the process. And throughout this process, Job stays faithful to God, and because Job stayed faithful to God, God restored double everything that he had lost. And this was considered a trial that was out of Job's circumstances, out of Job's control. And the second the second aspect, so uh, I've then two types of trials in this world. First one is trials that are out of your control. The second ones is trials that are our own fault, and I think too often trials that happen in this life are our own fault, but we blame it on other circumstances. I think we can all agree with that. There, you know, we like to blame the devil for stuff when in reality it's something self-inflicted wound in my own life, and and uh, Numbers chapter thirteen is a great example of this. And the people of Israel um, have just left Egypt, so God has done these miraculous signs. He's done these wonders, and I'm going to paraphrase this one um, for you guys, and he's done all these mighty works, he's done these ten signs, he's part of the Red Sea, the Egyptians have, uh, the Israelites have walked through, and then he wiped out the Egyptians with the Red Sea. And now we've come to a place where God has told them, hey, I'm going to take you into the promised land, you've been in slavery, I want to say it was like 400 years, something like that, I I can't remember how long they were enslaved by Egypt, but they've been enslaved a long time regardless. And he said, I'm getting ready to take you into the promised land the promised land journey should have taken them somewhere between 11 days if they're traveling really fast, because you got to ha- keep in mind they have kids, they have family, they have livestock, to, f- to a month to get to the promised land. And what took them 11 to sh- what should have took them 11 days to a month took them 40 years. And the reason it took them 40 years is because God asked them to spend, send spies in the land to the promise that He promised land that he already promised them. And he promised them this land and they, the spies came back and gave a bad report and stirred up all the people. There was only two of the 10, 12 spies that came back with a good report. And all the people began to grumble. And they began to want a different leader. And they said, you know, let's just go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to their slavery. And after they grumbled and complained, God basically said, you know what, guys? You're not going to enter Days to a month-long journey took them forty years wandering in the wilderness until a majority of them died. And these are examples of trials that have happened because of our own circumstances and our own inflicted wounds for these people. Maybe for you guys, this is the job that you shouldn't have taken. Maybe this is um, the bad financial decision. When I like I said, going back to when I sold cars, I used to hate it when people say this to me. I just filed bankruptcy. What can you get me in? I'm just like, probably the reason you filed bankruptcy is because you bought a car last time that you couldn't afford. you got to be smart financially, and they would just inflict these wounds. And so there's these self-inflicted wounds. And verse 26 says this, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever played sand volleyball? Our life group right here, we're probably the most competitive life group out in the world. And we play volleyball from time to time, and, and I can't say anything because I'm probably I'm more competitive than all of them. And, and yeah, he says I'm the worst. And, you know, and I, I'm not. I'm and the thing about it is I'm proud of it too, so it's all right. But when you play sand volleyball, one of the things that you realize is that your footing is completely different than when it's on concrete. So when you jump to hit the ball, the sand is not stable. It is not solid. It is not something for you to get your best traction, your best footing on. This foolish man built his house upon the sand, and that's not smart. He's engaged in the same building process as both builders, but he built it on a different foundation. And it tells us this, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. See, he heard the word of God, but he didn't do it. He didn't apply it to his life. And the question is, and the main point is this, don't be this guy. Don't be this guy that's in this story. And you know who's this guy in the Bible? Judas. Judas was this guy. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He saw the miracles that Jesus did. And he experienced all these different things. And yet, he turned in Christ because he wanted profit. He wanted money. And his whole life was ruined. And the scripture actually says in Matthew, it says, it was better that this man had never been born. You guys, that's not a good scripture written about you. You know, if you're gonna be known for all the scriptures, hey, it's better that you've not been born, that's not good. And that's Judas. So, how do we not become foolish? Because I think that's important because it's easy to say, I want to be this wise man, but how do we not become foolish? And in my life group knows this quite a bit. This is stuff that I talk about. We listen and respond to the Word of God, we read the Bible, we open up the book and some of the things that are hardest things for us Christians to do that are so simple is just open up the Bible to, to read the word of God. The Bible says the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing the hearts of man. So when you read the scripture it is living inside of you, it springs forth life. It allows you in situations to understand how to respond in ways that you never know you would, because the word of God is living inside of you and it's active second aspect aspect is this spend time in prayer another simple thing but very very difficult for us to to do sometimes because if you think about it any earthly relationship that you guys have ever engaged in have you ever had a good relationship if there was no communication whether it be friends your family your wife whatever it may be communication is key so why would we not want communication with the heavenly father can i get an amen yeah we want to have that communication the Heavenly Father, because we want to know His heart, and when you know His heart, He begins to come inside you and d- dwell in you, and He begins to move in your life. And that is what we want. And kind of my closing question, guys, is what foundation are you building? What is the foundation that you're building in your life? And kind of, as, I, as I, like I said, as I'm closing, this is a real close, Pastor Paul always talks about it as his two or three closes, but this is a real close. And I want to tell you a little bit about the past 10 months. And I've talked about this and shared this with my life group. And, you know, I'm a planner. And when I've come for these messages, I've changed my message three times before tonight. And I don't like that. I would love to just have my message like six months in advance and just know and just prep for six months. That's how I would like to go. And about a week into this, before this, the Lord changed my heart on what he was wanting me to speak. And he wanted me to talk about foundations. And my my story is this, where I've been. um, I I sold cars for – into it our dealership got bought out and we had new ownership um and i just felt like i wanted to do something different and the lord spoke to me and said on a daniel fast he said i want you to leave your job by the end of november and i said okay awesome and then towards the november 23rd i quit my job now my spiritual gifts on in order the last time i took was faith um Teaching, giving, and discernment. Those were my spiritual gifts. And faith was my number one. And I just knew God was going to provide me a job right off the bat. I just knew he was just going to open the door. I was going to step into the next job, and it was going to work out great. And I began to pray that God would give me something by December 1st. And on December 1st, the only thing that was given offered to me was an internship at a church. Guess how much an internship pays? three people. I said, I'm not going to do the internship. Okay? Don't ever tell God you're not going to do anything. You guys all know where we're going with this. And then December rolls through and I still don't have a job. And I'm applying. You know, it's Christmas time, things like that. I'm assuming you know, it'll it'll be fine. God will open the door. And I just figured, you know, I have an opportunity and because I have an opportunity might as well take advantage of it. I didn't feel like the Lord was like, you must do this internship. And so I did it. And that internship that I thought would be pretty quickly uh, over here soon took eight months. And throughout that time, one of the things that I began to do is I began to apply for jobs. And I began to look for jobs pretty much four or five times a day for maybe 30 minutes to an hour. And I've applied for probably over 50-plus jobs in the past 10 months. And there was jobs that I applied for. (laughs) And actually, one particular job is I applied for a company. I spent over an hour filling out a resume. And I submitted it at 9.30 at night. They responded back five minutes later saying, we're not what we're looking for. Guys, nobody is looking at a resume at 930 at night. Like, at least pretend like you actually read my resume. He was to say, yeah, yeah. they send me jobs now. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> but I was applying for these jobs. And it was very, very frustrating because I would go to a job interview, and I would get there, and I would just feel in my spirit, this is not what God has for me. This is not what I have for would get offered, or, I, or I'd go to a job that I really, really wanted, and God would be like, and, and nothing would happen. They wouldn't even respond. And that's how a majority of them were. So if you can imagine this process of going through this time of looking for a job. Now, in June, like I said, I started helping remodeling, but that's not, that's not the job that I was looking for. And one of the things that was interesting to me is I really felt like this time, and let's actually see if this one board right here. Pretty solid board, correct? Am I right? If I took a sledgehammer, I could probably break this one pretty easy. I don't know. Um, It's pretty solid, though. But with this board, it's solid. And I felt like I had a solid foundation before. I felt like I had spent lots of time in the Word. I had spent lots of time praying and seeking the Father. But as I was going through this time, one of the things that I began to notice is when you're searching for a job, got money saved up that you're living on at the time. You have a lot more time on your hands. And because I had a lot more time on my hands, I began to spend a lot more time in prayer. I'm getting ready to close. Um, I began to spend more time in prayer. I began to spend more time reading the Word. And I went from reading the Word, so I started reading the Word about four or five times a day. Uh, four or five chapters a day, excuse me. And as I was reading it, one of the things that I, throughout this process, I began to realize that this is my foundation right The Lord, for the last ten months, has been working on my foundation. He has been strengthening me. Something that was very, very frustrating. Something that was very, very agitating through this entire process. In the mornings I would wake up and I would read my Bible. Read my Bible more than I had read in a long time. I would wake up and I would spend time in prayer more than I had spent in a long time. I had fasted and I was seeking God for the ten months wholeheartedly, asking him to provide for me in a way. And what he was doing, and I don't know if I can do this with one hand, but as he was doing this, he was strengthening my foundation in a way that I cannot see, in a way that I cannot understand. And throughout this process, he was preparing me for what he had next. So one board is tough. Two boards makes it a lot stronger. And as I was actually, um, I visited a church last week, and a lady spoke to me, and she said this. She said, I should have told you this several months back, She goes, but I had a vision. Of you. And she said, I saw you from your legs. And she said, each part of your legs was made of a different material. And she said, I don't know what it was, but she said it was beginning to strengthen your foundation. She said, I don't know if it was like a bronze or what it was. And, and actually, I would prepare to do a sermon on um, a scripture that talked about bronze. And if you look up bronze in the, the Bible, it says to be refined by fire. God was refining me by fire. And I believe people in this room today, God wants to strengthen your foundation by being built on the rock. So not only by hearing the word of God, but responding to it, responding to the word that he has for you in his life. And so that's my challenge. I don't even really have an altar call tonight. Um, I don't know how Pastor Paul wants to end this or anything like that. Um, But my challenge to you guys is this. What are we building our foundation on tonight? Will you stand to your feet with me in the house of God?